So Money Episode 552, Nicole Lappin, author of Boss Bitch. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to So Money. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. We're going to get bossy today and a little bitchy. Do you want to be your own boss bitch? Well, you're in luck. My guest today is the author of the new book, Boss Bitch, a simple 12-step plan to take charge of your career. Nicole Lappin is here, and in the book, she talks about how to embrace confidence to be a boss at work, at your company, and in life. A little bit more about Nicole, she's also the author of the New York Times bestseller, Rich Bitch, and the star of the nationally syndicated business competition reality show, Hatched. You can also catch her in Red Book Magazine every month as the resident money columnist. She's also been on So Money before. She's a So Money veteran. Check out episode 57 to learn all about her money philosophies, her failures, her successes, what she likes to splurge on. You know, there are a lot of great books on the market today related to women in the workplace and how to succeed. So first question for Nicole is, how does this book differentiate? What is the conversation you want Boss Bitch to start that you think we're not really having? To tell a great story, you have to be brutally honest, and Nicole is an open book herself. She shares the tough battles she's faced in her career, including lawsuits and failures, and we can't talk about women and work without really getting real for a moment about how your career ambitions can sometimes impact your personal life. Nicole addresses female fertility with me and her decision to freeze her eggs as a way to take control and better map out motherhood. Here is Nicole Lappin. Nicole Lapp and welcome back to So Money. You're you're the So Moneyest. No, you're the So Moneyest. Obviously, <laughs> this is like a mutual admiration society. Totally. And congratulations on Boss Bitch, which is your. Thank you. You're welcome. Your follow up to uh, your first book. You are starting a bitch empire. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's right. Um, I um, I'm taking the word bitch back and owning it as the badge of honor. Like my book is not all things to all women. It's sort of the women who realize that it's a term of endearment. And um, if you hashtag my bitches on Instagram, you see best friends. And so that's who I'm talking to. Um, I'm not trying to be all things to all people. I'm sort of trying to reach my former self who was super clueless about this was some money. <laughs> We're going to get to that former self in just a moment. But you say you're not all things to all women. But I think that these days, many women, and I experience this in my own ecosystem of p- women coming to me and meeting amazing women, we all want to be our own bosses in some regard, you know, whether we are running our own show or we're even following a career track, we have a boss, we want to feel in control. And I think your book does a lot to get that conversation growing. What made you, first of all, want to write this book? There are a lot of books in this space lately, which is a great thing, you know, because I think it, again, is evidence that women want this. What's the different conversation that you want to be having that we're not? Yeah. Um, so it's obviously super zeitgeisty, which is amazing. Um, my show is similar to Shark Tank, which is, you know, we're not Shark Tank. We don't reach the same viewers. Um, but the derivative content is able to be 
on TV because there is so much interest. And the same thing goes with books. And so for me, what I did with Rich Bitch was, first of all, I swear a lot. <laughs> Not a lot of business or money books do that. Um, so I speak in sort of the same way I, as I would talk to you or any of my friends, not as like some holier than thou person, but as someone who knows a bunch, but is also still figuring it out. And I also talk a lot, a lot about my failures. Um, those are my most favorite things to talk about. Um, and also sort of brass tacks about how to get a business done, um, that, you know, sometimes when you hear memoirs are amazing, like of super great success stories, but then you put it down and you're like, Whoa, whoa, whoa how do I do that? Um, and how do I mess up a cake? Because I would rather see a cookbook where you totally messed up the cake versus where a pastry chef made some beautiful creation that you're not going to be able to emulate. So I wanted it to be a combination um, of those things, like the the crazy stories that, you know, my publisher is like, seriously, Lappin, do you want to admit all that? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I want to talk about how much I got for my book advance. I want to talk about all my salaries. I want to talk about freezing my eggs. I want to talk about like the most embarrassing things possible um, because I want to put my money where my mouth is. And if I want more people to talk about it, then, you know, I have to lead by example. So yeah, I break it down into three sections, um, being the boss of you being the boss within a bigger company. So being entrepreneurial within the confines of a company, and then starting your own business. And as you know, as women in particular, we go through a lot of these different stages in lives, um, in our lives. It's not really a your mama's career of like a career ladder. It's more like a rope swing. You know, I went from working for a bunch of really big, mighty companies to starting my own thing. I could go back to working for another company. I could be a mompreneur. I could be the CEO of my own household, then start something else. You know, so there's not an actual path. And so I wanted to honor that, that in the end of the day, you are the boss of you. That's your own constant, no matter where you are. I hear that it sounds like wherever you end up, wherever you want to end up, you have to be grounded in some belief. So what is that belief? I think um, grounded in the belief that um, you're in control of your destiny if you figure it out first. I think, you know, we get into a big trap, I think, um, of not actually writing out what we want and then reverse engineering how to get that. Um, I think we generally know like, oh, we want a successful company, but like what exactly does that look like? And so I think writing down goals for all aspects of your life and holding yourself to them is super important. Uh, and it's about learning and growing and those things can change. But I think it's about also looking holistically at what those are. So your family goals, your work goals, your fun goals, they have to be compatible. So you, you know, if you want to be a teacher, but you want to fly private around the world, like, I'm sorry, that's not going to work out. Um, as much as I want teachers to make more money, or if you want to be a neurosurgeon and a stay at home mom, like that doesn't work out. I think, you know, more often than not, we, we, uh, silo this business conversation and what we want from our business lives. And, as you know, mama to be number two, um, you know, having kids is the biggest time money and energy mm -hmm. suck that you possibly could have. And I think especially for women where we're hitting our strides in our careers, it's also like the time where we're fertile myrtle and, you know, we want to do that. And so I think thinking about that is, um, is super important. And it's not done enough. So sidebar, you brought it up though, freezing your eggs. That's a really hot topic right now because of what you just said. You know, we are advancing in our careers at a time when we're, what was it? Myrtle fertile? Fertile Myrtle. Fertile yeah. Myrtle. I love that. <laughs> um, was it an easy decision for you? Was it a no brainer? How did you, how did you decide that? 
Um, it was zero amounts of fun, Farnoosh. I'm not going to lie. Um, it was something I was thinking about for a while. I was 32 when I did it. And people were like, you're doing it so young. What are you doing? You have so much time. And the truth is, the younger, the better. Um, and I wanted to use whatever platform I could to show women what the process was like. I actually videotaped it. Um, I did like a whole thing on Good Morning America and like wrote a bunch about it in the most raw and vulnerable way I possibly could. Because as you know, like the only way to tell a good story is to tell it honestly. And, um, you know, I wanted to talk about the idea that this was an insurance policy that I wasn't in the place of my life. I was still really focused on my career. Um, I had a a long-term relationship that ended in a big breakup and, you know, I want to be a mom, but I'm not ready right now, but I still want all the options possible. Like I don't want to use my eggs. Um, but you, you know, you know, they're there. They're my 32 year old eggs will always be there and you can't get that time back. And I think time is our most valuable asset too. You know, you can get more money, you can get more of a lot of stuff, you can't get more time. And so I think it's about capturing that for yourself, taking control and realizing that your body is not a democracy. It's actually a dictatorship. Hmm. Well, also I'm glad you did it before this administration. Say that. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? It's really expensive. It was like 14 grand. And it's something I think in particular for women, like it's something you plan for and save for like anything else. You know, it's, it's not really an addendum here. The, the career books need to address things like this because it's so tangential to all the other decisions that you will make and all the other um, goals that you want to hit. Uh I, I think being honest like that is just so important. So thanks for sharing that. I'm going to look up that GMA clip. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And it's like, it's really painful. I went into it not realizing. I was like, I can do anything. You know, Farnoosh, you and I are cut from the same cloth. And I was like, whatever, I'm signing, you know, I'm going to sign up today. I happen to be like at the right time, you know, not to get too graphic, but like <laughs> you have to have be in the yeah. right time of your cycle to do it. And you, um, I was like, sign me up. I'm in right now today. And then they gave me a whole bunch of needles and a whole bunch of like vials. And they were like, okay, go have fun. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, I didn't go to medical school. Like you're asking me to actually like put a needle in my body and then mix all this stuff. (sighs) And you know, you get like, it's, it's hard. You get bruises, you get, it's, it's no fun. And so I wanted to show like really what that was like. And when I talked about my story, I had so many women who came out and were like, I did IVF. It was really hard. And, you know, I had miscarriages. It's really hard. And, you know, there's a bunch of people that, you know, don't talk about it and are ashamed and sort of keep it secret. And I was working the entire time. Um, and, you know, I sort of um, just had to get it done. But I wanted to be able to share that story. So because I didn't know exactly what it was like or what I was getting myself into. So I sort of was hopefully the guinea pig for that. But to hear this story and to also know about your journey in your career, I feel like Nicole Lappin is someone who just, you know, you, you seize opportunity and you don't even look back. It's like you just you just go for it 100 miles per hour, whether that's when you left CNBC to start your company, even back when you were, you went to college before everybody else, I was still in diapers and you were like graduating from Harvard. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, You know, you have not just one book, you have two books, you have a show. I feel like that is your personality. Do you feel like you are the boss bitch that you just have sort of just realized it now, but you are, you lived it. 
You know, I'm going to keep it real. Like I always keep it real. I don't lie. I think people, when they're when you're not authentic, audiences in any medium can totally tell. You know, I don't feel like the boss of my life all the time, but there are more good days than bad days. And you know, I think that's all I can ask for myself. That's all I can ask from my readers and viewers. Um, you know, not every day is going to be awesome. It's not rainbows and butterflies when you start a business. Like it's hard stuff. You know, I talk about all my failures, as I said, where I got sued by this woman. And then I got like a trademark, um, notice, um, from the wall street journal (laughs) and then how, you know, I, um, didn't speak the language of money. Um, when I was, um, covering business in Chicago and I, um, (laughs) I literally, um, I went into a story Hopefully you'll appreciate this, um, where my producers asked me if I need to PNL and, you know, my initials are NL. And this whole time I'm thinking like, why are they asking me if I need to pee? And so, <laughs> then I realized they were talking about P and L. And then, I, <laughs> then I was like, it's, oh, it's not PNL, it's P and L. And so, you know, for me, it was about figuring out how to speak this language of business and money. And it's a language like anything else. And that's not failing. That's faking it till you make it. I did that too. Every day I would go to work at the street.com and this a-hole that I was assigned (laughs) to work next to would degrade me. And because he, because he knew the lingo, well, congratulations, you schmuck. Just because you know what acronyms stand for and you can read the Wall Street Journal 10 seconds faster than me. And every day he'd say things like, you know, Nushi, you should really, like, you should really read the Wall Street Journal every day. And I'm like, what the hell do you think I'm doing? And, and then, yeah, it was terrible. And then one day he said to me, he kept, you know, it was just like this, like, passive aggressiveness. And he's like, you know, and I would just take it. And then finally one day he said to me, I shouldn't be such an asshole. And finally I said to him, you should try harder. Try, Ooh, try harder snap. not being an asshole. Ooh, snap. And guess what? He is still at that company. He hasn't moved. And I've, I've, it's been 10 years, okay? <laughs> yeah. If you're listening, you know who you are and I don't like you. <laughs> I don't like you either, by the way. <laughs> but you made me stronger. and uh, For sure. For sure. For sure. So tell and me about these failures. Okay, so the, the lawsuit, what, what happened? Yeah, so I um, so I started a website, Recessionista, when I left um, CNBC, as you mentioned. I was like, the recession had just finished. I... Um, you know, I thought that that was a cute thing. Um, and this woman who had a, a blog, uh, that was like blogspot.recessionist or something that was doing something totally different than me. She just had this grudge out against me and she sued me upon suing me. And, um, you know, in the legal system, I've had a stalker. I've had to respond to that, pay a ton, ton of money. Like you have to respond to bogus stuff and that is no fun. And it's a lot of money. And, um, what I realized was that, you know, there will be folks, even if they don't have a claim that will be out to get you. And, um, I ended up just folding that into this rich bitch idea. And as you aforementioned, like the bitch, hopefully, um, series that will continue. And so I just, I ended up just pivoting. I didn't, you know, um, you know, necessarily cave to her barbaric tactics, but she was like, she was finding me and my entire team and like harassing us and being, you know, crazy town USA. Um, and you know, it's just part of the whole thing. It's part of what you sign up for. Like it's again, when you go into business, it seems really awesome that there are a bunch of CEOs on the cover of Forbes and like flying in G fives or whatever. And like, you can't mentally fly the G five before you've even taken off. <laughs> and then you, you need to realize 
but like, you know, I think it's better to beat low expectations going into any endeavor. And it's, you know, if you have high expectations, there's a far way to fall. If you have low expectations and you, you, you beat them, it's like the view is so much better. So just pivot. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's slide off your back. But of course, you have to have a legal budget, it sounds like. Uh, yes, for sure. I have blown a ton of money on legal and I talk about a, a lot of that, you know, and even setting up structures and what, you know, what's important because again, this sort of sounds like Chinese, whether it's like S corp and whatever, like, what does that mean? You know, we don't learn this stuff in school. And so, yeah, legal is a big part of it. What you should be thinking about getting your papers in order, getting all that stuff together. Um, and then, you know, look, we learn the Pythagorean theorem. We learn all sorts of crazy stuff that we're not going to learn, but we don't you know, we don't learn what EBITDA stands for, which I'm sure that douchebag, sorry, but like, yeah, he would have been on that. <laughs> he would have been like earnings before interest, something taxes. <laughs> yeah. And, and what that means is just like profit. And it's like not right. serious. The concepts are not serious. And so I rewrote an entire dictionary for Noosh. I am such a nerd. And for Rich Bitch, I rewrote a financial dictionary um, for personal finance. And so for boss bitch, I rewrote like a business dictionary because when I was learning this, um, you know, I didn't get my MBA. I didn't work at a bank. Like I just went to the school of hard knocks and I wish I had something like this, but um, you know, I also found myself on a bunch of sites. Like I don't want to call them out, but I don't know, whatever investopedia, all those places where I would find myself looking up the definition of the definition. <laughs> I was like, this yeah. work. That wasn't helpful. Mm-hmm. No. And like in the end of the day, like it's super easy to understand. Um, it's just this language that's meant to keep folks out. Like if you went to Chinese and if you went to China and you didn't speak Chinese, like you'd be super confused. If you started business and you didn't, you know, happen to know this stuff, you'd be super confused. But it's not hard to learn the language if you just have a Rosetta Stone, so to speak. Right. There's an app for it somewhere. You and I should create one. Hello. Hello. Well, I'll just say, for the record, EBITDA is earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, and amortization. I've used that in my life zero times. (laughs) Totally. But you'll hear it like people will throw it down. But sometimes on Shark Tank, they do these gotchas where they're like, what is your EBITDA? And the poor guy or gal is like, I don't know, but I profited $800,000 in a month, you know, it's like, yeah, sometimes they really get you with the numbers, but you have to know your numbers. Well, also, you know, you don't have to feel bad about it. I think you asked the question. And so, um, a girlfriend of mine, um, Sarah Blakely, she started, um, an amazing company that I am a customer of called Spanx. Um, you know, just Sarah Blakely, billionaire. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She, um, she told me that she, when she was first starting her company, um, she did super scrappy in Atlanta. She was like selling fax machines at the time and like out of her apartment. And she would go in her, for her initial meetings with investors and there'd be a bunch of dudes, obviously. And, um, they would say like, what is your exit strategy? She was like, exit strategy, exit strategy. Like, what are they talking about? And finally she just said, she was like, my exit strategy is just to walk out of a room with my butt looking good. (laughs) (laughs) The guys like totally died, obviously. Um, She had no idea what they were talking about. And, you know, Richard Branson has come out, you know, saying that he didn't know what net profits were. And somebody on his team had to like literally draw fish with a net. And they're like, Richard, like, this is the stuff you take in the end of the year. Like, this is the stuff that's left over. And, you know, look, it's just admit it, like, just ask the question, because we've all been there. Look it up. 
Yeah, it's fine. I mean, because at the end of the day, if you're a visionary entrepreneur type, uh, you, you know, your mind works in a different way. You know, you're, you're, you are long, you're just, you're thinking big picture. You're not down in the weeds. So I understand, you know, but, but at the end of the day, you either got to learn it or hire someone who does, who can sneak the answers into your ear. That's right. And Richard does <laughs> for sure. He has plenty of folks who can hook him up with that. Absolutely. So there's 12 steps in the book. Um, what are, so 12 seems like a lot to me. Like I'm used to like four week course, four steps, six. So t- how, how have you kind of organize this to make it really um, digestible? Yeah. So um, the first step is admitting you have a problem, like any 12-step recovery program. Uh, we all have issues. It's about looking them in the eye instead of burying your head in the sand. My first book was a 12-step program too. Um, and so this is divided actually. So the three sections that I talked about being the boss of you and like really having the confidence in your own skin, whether it's, you know, what you say. So women, we say sorry way too much. Um, we don't say thank you when we get compliments. Um, you know, it's just basic stuff, but it's something to be more mindful of. And, um, and that's only two steps. And then being the boss within a bigger company, um, is five steps. And then being the boss of your own company is six steps. And so, um, no, sorry, five steps too. I'm like, wait, hold on. That's 13. No, it's five steps. And, um, and yeah, I think it's it's really about what you want in your life. It's choose your own adventure. So maybe you're starting your own business. So that's five steps. Maybe you're within a bigger company and you want to be entrepreneurial. When I worked for big companies, you know, I created series or I did things that were outside the regular feed the beast, feed the machine mentality. Um, so skip to that. And, you know, I love those choose adventure books when you were. Oh, yeah. Out, I, so. I used to go to the end and then go backwards. Yeah. I'd pick my end and then I'd reverse engineer it by just- that's what you do in business, sister. <laughs> exactly. So I have a friend who's coming out with a book. She um, has worked in for, you know, like huge brands, huge companies, and she's always had leadership roles. And always as a female, she was like the minority. And so a lot of times she says uh, younger women would come to her in the companies and ask a very repetitive question, which she ultimately is turning into a book, which is that, you know, and they would say to her, we're really impressed with you because you've you've climbed the ladder. You've reached senior vice president, executive level at all these companies. And yet you're a nice woman. <laughs> you're a nice person. Yeah. And, and like, we just can't understand how you can be nice and friendly and kick ass at work at the same time. So can you reconcile that for me? Because I think you can, but I understand where the confusion lies because we're telling women to sometimes you know, be more aggressive and think like a man and even lean in got criticism for that to, to some extent. And so how do you kind of balance your own personality against what the competitiveness of working in corporate America or running your business requires? If you're an introvert, yes. what do you do? If you're not so I, outspoken, what do you do? Yeah. So I think it's about breaking that stereotype. It's a breaking that cycle um, and realizing that First of all, you do you, um, and you don't have to be an asshole. First of all, don't be an asshole in general. That's not cool. But you don't have to be an asshole in business to get ahead to those levels that your friend was, SVP and whatever. Um, and in fact, you have to realize that people want to work for people they like. Like that, it's relationship business. I don't need to tell you. Like people want to work with people that are their friends. Like that's right. just the way business works. Respect and, people, right? Totally. Um, 
And, you know, they'll work harder for you if they like you. Um, another girlfriend of mine, I, I'm not dropping, I'm so not obnoxious, I promise. But her, um, she's a female CEO. She's um, Mindy Grossman. She's the CEO of HSN. And everybody loves Mindy. Like, everybody universally loves Mindy. She's like rocking it. She was at Nike before. She's rocking it at HSN. And she's just like amazing. And she also like shows up in like Dolce Gabbana everything every day with like her hair. I don't know how she does it. I just don't know. Um, but she's, you know, she dresses really feminine. She's, um, you know, she's exactly who she is out of work as she is in work. And people just, the human capital is so important. People root for her. They want to work harder for her because they like her. Um, I had a guy, by the way, similarly to your, the street guy, um, who was uh, terrible to me when I was at CNN. And he would say to me all the time, you can't be respected and liked. And I was like, first of all, like, what are you talking about? He's like, you have to be more respected. Like, like, take a page out of like the Edward R. Murrow, like playbook or whatever. And I was like, first of all, you can be respected and liked, and you should be respected and liked. And it's not an either or proposition. They're not mutually exclusive. How sorry do I feel for that guy? Yeah, we both hate him. I know. We'll we'll set we'll set those guys up. They're gonna have like bromance. Oh my gosh! Oh, the conversations. I'm sure mm. the 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 locker room conversations. I'm sure they would have. Totally, Nicole Lappin. Thank you so much, and congratulations on Boss Bitch. And by the way, I make a cameo. Yeah, you do. You totally do. It was one of your emails that you had sent out that was so, so awesome. And I used it verbatim as an example of what to do um, and broke it down and just said how it was genius. And it really resonated with me and I'm sure everybody else. And I just praise you as the badass boss bitch that you are and just sort of own the idea that, you know, anyone should prop other people up. And so Mm -hmm. I think more so than ever before with women who, you know, we talk a lot about it, but are we actually doing it is the question. And so I want to put my money where my mouth is and just praise you as the awesome lady you are. Thank you so much. It's no doubt you are so successful. Um, And people like you, people like you a lot, Nicole. I like you. Our listeners like you. Come back anytime. Oh, thanks, honey. Thank you. Thanks so much to Nicole for stopping by. Her website is NicoleLappin.com. To learn more about the book, visit BossBitchBook.com. And Nicole is on Twitter and all of her social media. Check out at Nicole Lappin. If you missed any of this, don't worry. You can grab the transcript and audio at SoMoneyPodcast.com. And as always, send me your questions. Send me your questions at SoMoneyPodcast.com. Just click on Ask Farnoosh. And every Friday, we'll try to address your money concerns. Thanks for tuning in and I hope your day is so money.